You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported, Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Good afternoon. Reporting for WFHB, this is Lucy Kellison. And I'm Ruth Flegman. This is the WFHB Local News for Tuesday, February 14th, 2023. Later in the program, Big Talk producer Michael Glab invited all candidates for the City of Bloomington's 2023 mayoral race to appear on the program in weekly installments. Today, we'll hear from City Council member and mayoral candidate Susan Sandberg. More in today's feature report. Also coming up in the next half an hour, we have Lil Bob's Lil Show, a segment done in collaboration with Lil Bob's Big Fund. But first, your local headlines. On February 8th, the Monroe County Board of Commissioners held its weekly meeting. Agenda items included an update from the Monroe County Sheriff's Office Chief Deputy Phil Parker regarding the maintenance of the county jail. We had a very productive meeting, I think, last week with uh, Commissioner Gibbons, and we we're trying to sort out the, the way forward here. It was very helpful, very fruitful. Um, we, uh, myself and the jail commander, uh, was in, we were in front of PAC yesterday as Commissioner Gibbons was there with us to discuss the uh, jail tech position. Uh, I think that's going forward to the council. I think it's a very positive step as we uh, move forward on what we need to do to improve the conditions there. And so it, it, I, I feel pretty positive about the direction we're taking. County Commissioner Penny Githens commented on Parker's report and outlined what current and future maintenance of the facility would look like and who would perform it. I'd like to go ahead and add at this point that, um, yes, we met last week with uh, people in the jail. That included um, Sheriff Marte, uh, Chief Deputy Parker, and Jail Commander Gibbons, along with uh, some other members of the staff and or the legal staff and County Councilor Cheryl Munson and Jennifer Crosley. And it was generally agreed that the jail staff is responsible for cleaning including keeping the toilets clean and unclogged, painting, installing clocks, and simple light maintenance, such as changing out light bulbs. Um, Some of this work will be performed by jail inmates under the supervision of jail staff. And as um, Chief Deputy Parker just indicated, um, the sheriff is in the process of applying to have that position of jail technician created with the understanding that uh, if such a position is approved and someone is hired, This person will oversee inmate workers and will do light maintenance in the areas where inmates are not allowed. Uh, The commissioners are responsible for standard building maintenance. This includes the actual building, mechanical and electrical maintenance, drains, roof, et cetera. With the problems recently identified in the jail, the commissioners are responsible for patching the edging along the shower stalls, replacing the cast iron drain in the laundry area, and repair replacement of the vent fans in the jail. Some of this work, such as uh, repair of of a toilet and changes to the drive in the sally port, have already been accomplished. So um, I think we are moving forward, and I appreciate being able to work with the sheriff and his staff on these things. 
new business in front of the council this week included the approval of a grant agreement with the Indiana Department of Health for opioid rescue kits, an agreement summarized by Monroe County Health Advisor Lori Kelly. This request is just to approve this grant award. This is for our emergency opioid rescue kits. Um, These are kits that we provide throughout the community, um, such as to the local fire department, the police department, and other uh, local organizations. Uh, The department does provide free educational training along with part of this grant agreement award. And from my understanding, we have been receiving this award um, for the past several years now, and it helps to just strengthen our harm reduction program. County Commissioner Penny Githens asked Kelly about citizen access to the kits. Kelly responded. Is there a way that just a a regular citizen can go to the health department and get some of the naloxone kits? Uh, Yes. So we would schedule um, the individual for training that is required um, to receive the kit, but then the kits can be picked up from there. The agreement was approved by the council unanimously. The next motion concerned a project between the Monroe County Parks and Recreation Department and JCL Aerial Services. The project's intended goal was to have JCL, a company specializing in aerial photography, capture photos and video footage of county parks during the fall and spring of 2022, which was not successful due to multiple delays. The motion proposed that the agreement be amended so that the project could be successfully completed in the spring. Monroe County Parks and Recreation Assistant Director John Robertson spoke in support of the motion. So the original service agreement with JCL was signed um, in August of 2022. Uh, They were to take pictures and videos of Will Detmer Park, Cars Farm Park, and the Cars Farm Greenway. Due to some delays in the Cars Farm Greenway trailhead project at the park, we weren't able to get the footage of the uh, park and greenway uh, before the leaves fell off the trees. So this addendum is actually to extend um, the expiration date of the original agreement to July of 2023. So um, we'll have leaves on the trees, things will look nice when we shoot the footage. Commissioner Githen spoke in support of the motion. It was really enjoyable to be out there for the ribbon cutting for the Good. extension of the, the trail. And it, it really is, I think, probably the prettiest part of that trail. So, yeah. I agree. <laughs> the motion was approved by the board unanimously. Next up, the council considered a funding request by Riverway Plumbing to replace drain lines at two locations of the Monroe County Jail. County Fleet and Building Manager Richard Critter presented the motion before the board. The cast iron laundry drain pipes are prone to clogging due to pipe sizing and poor interior condition. They require occasional cleaning with a drain machine. The waistline below has become damaged due to vibration from the drain machine. This request is to approve the proposal submitted by Riverway Plumbing in the amount of $3,420 to replace drain lines at two locations in the jail, the cast iron drain pipe servicing the laundry equipment and a portion of the waistline below the laundry and kitchen areas. All three commissioners responded positively to Critter's presentation. I'm glad we're using a local company. Yeah, pleased to see this moving forward. And I'm, I'm pleased that once we were made aware of a problem, that you addressed it so quickly. So really appreciate that. The county approved the request unanimously. 
Critter returned to the podium to present a funding proposal for repairs to the roof of the Monroe County Justice Building. This request is to approve the proposal submitted by Steve's Roofing in the amount of $11,800 to tear out an area of the roofing material over the laundry room and then rebuild it with an increased slope towards the roof drains to prevent standing water. Commissioner Githens reaffirmed her praise for Critter's usage of local resources. The council approved the proposal unanimously. The next Monroe County Commissioner's meeting will be held on February 15th. In today's feature report, Big Talk producer Michael Glab invited all declared candidates for the City of Bloomington's 2023 mayoral race to appear on the programme in weekly instalments. This week, we hear a conversation with Bloomington City Council member and mayoral candidate Susan Sandberg. Well, it is that year again, municipal elections here in Bloomington, uh, all the citywide offices, all the city council members up for election, re-election, incumbent or not, the mayor's race. And uh, we're going to start off by having one of the candidates for the Democratic nomination for mayor, we're going to have Susan Sandberg here. Susan, hi. Thanks for being on Big Talk. Thank you, Mike. It is my pleasure to be here with you today. Susan Sandberg, who is here, she's running against Carrie Thompson and Don Griffin for that Democratic nomination for mayor of Bloomington. They want to replace two-term mayor John Hamilton, who declined to run for a third term. Susan why in God's name do you want to be the mayor? Well, first, let me say there will be no beating up. That is certainly not my style. Good idea. I, um, I want to be mayor because, first and foremost, I love Bloomington. I've loved Bloomington ever since I came here as an undergraduate, Indiana University. Uh, I am a graduate. This is my city of choice. I love Bloomington, and I particularly am uh, attracted to public service. You know, there's the private sector, there's the nonprofit sector, but I love being a representative on the city council. This is my 17th year, 16 years, um, and this is my 17th serving on this council. And I am very confident that I have the experience, the historical knowledge, and the um, wherewithal to rise to the next challenge and run for mayor. Well, I've got to say this. There's, there are a number of problems this city faces, as any city in, in the world. But uh, we know what Bloomington's problems are. And as mayor, people are going to expect you to fix them. <laughs> That's right. And of course, the buck does stop at the top many times in at least addressing some of the challenges we have. Foremost in my platform, I've worked with a very good team. We're, we're developing our strategies, uh, as it were, on what we will like to tackle. Affordability is a huge problem, not only with our housing, cost of housing in the community, but the cost of everything. I had uh, issued a report back in 2019 called Working Hard, Falling Behind, in which we took a look at how difficult it is sometimes on the salaries that are paid here in this community to afford things here in Bloomington. So affordability, big part of my platform. 
What can the mayor do about that? Well, we have zoning codes that we have certainly spent many, many years changing. Uh, the UDO, I think most people are familiar with our Unified Development Ordinance that uh, sets the tone and sets the parameters on what can be built and where and how. I do believe some of that can be tweaked to maybe move us in a better direction with affordability. Um, but um, just, again, partnerships with other community partners is a big part of what I I will do as mayor. The city of Bloomington can't do it alone. We've got to have regional help. We've got to have state help. We've got to have federal help. We have to uh, work across many aisles, as it were, to work with the people who have solutions to some of these problems related to affordability, housing in particular. Would you be good enough to tell me who some of those community partners might be? What are we talking about when we say that? We're talking about the county, for one. I think our relationships with our county colleagues uh, have been probably strained, to say the least. And I feel confident in my ability. I know many of them who are uh, in county positions, our commissioners and members of the county council. We need to sit down with them and have a better understanding as to what we can do to tweak and change and, and, and make things easier for people who actually are in the business of providing affordable housing to come in and do that. State assistance, anytime we get any help, housing has got to have subsidy in order to be affordable. Huh. I can't expect the free market to, to provide us with affordable housing. That's not in their DNA, as it were. We've so, seen a bit of a free market effect in this town, mm -hmm. at least since I've arrived, which was 2009. It was a little bit different back then. It's a little bit different now. Mm -hmm. And that market has created these, uh, a lot of these gigantic yeah, structures. Five and four over ones that are yeah, going up. Yeah. And many people in the community are not particularly um, happy about that. And in my humble opinion, of course, I've been on the council for a while and I've been part of the zoning, you know, the changes to the UDO that um, put some emphasis on density. That uh -huh. was a big controversy during the whole UDO. And and density is, in some people's minds, a way to achieve affordability. In my opinion, I think we're going at it a little bit wrong. I don't think we have the formula quite right when it comes to some of the mechanisms that the city has in order to try to get some of these units in these big high-rise apartment complexes to be workforce affordable housing. The city is somewhat constrained by the fact that we can't do inclusionary zoning. It's, it's the state prohibits us from requiring anyone from the private sector who's building housing to do anything with re with relationship to making their rents lower. We can induce we them. We can though. encourage them through yeah. incentives. I happen to think our incentives are not quite right. Uh -huh. We need to tweak them. Right now, we've got some checkoff boxes. Like if you want to add an additional floor so that you can make a little more money. Money, you've got to check off the sustainability box. And now you also have to check off the affordability box. You have to allow some units in your development to be less expensive than your private rates. That's maybe the best tool that we thought we had at the time we were tweaking the UDO, but it's it's not hitting the mark for me. I think we need to be more aggressive about working with companies that actually do do affordable housing, that know how to leverage the federal tax dollars, that have the wherewithal. And and actually build apartments that are built to be affordable. Now, they, they require subsidy, in my humble opinion. You've yeah. got to have additional funding because 
the cost of housing is expensive. You know, supply chain issues, everything's going up, up, up. It's hard to build anything this day and age that you could charge a, you know, less than market rate for. So there are companies, uh, construction companies that specialize in affordable housing. I am told that there are. And I think <laughs> as mayor, I would want to uh, develop some relationships with those individuals very quickly and see what, if anything, they would be able to bring to Bloomington in addition to what is happening now, which again, I think we're making noble attempts. We're trying to chip away at this affordable thing, but we're not quite there yet with our incentives. You know, uh, it's a fun- Funny thing, you came into the studio today, and our guest today is Democratic candidate for mayor of Bloomington, Susan Sandberg. The primary is coming up on May 2nd. Susan walked in here carrying two books, which makes me think how do you learn about all these things in your position as a city council member, as a member of countless boards and commissions throughout your years here? Do you do study at night? Do you do homework? Is that how it works? I'm a reader. You know that I am. Um, Reading is important, but I think even more important is the experience that I have, the 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 relationships that I built with people who are who I consider experts in some of these matters that obviously any mayor is going to have to be familiar with. So reading is one way, but there's nothing like you know talking with individuals and actually listening to them and absorbing some of the some of the information that you get from people who are out there uh, talking to people maybe from other communities uh, talking to people who are you know well versed in in any problem that the Bloomington city may need to we're voting this year we're voting for mayor we're voting for city council we're voting for all offices citywide this year the last day to register to vote is April 3rd. First day of early voting is April 4th. Primary election day is May 2nd. General election is November 7th. Stay tuned to Big Talk and the WFHB Local News for more editions featuring mayoral candidates before the 2023 municipal primary on May 2nd. Up next, we have Little Bub's Little Show, a segment done in collaboration with Little Bub's Big Fund. We now turn to that segment. Welcome to Lil Bub's Lil Show, a weekly co-production from WFHB and Lil Bub's Big Fund. We highlight adoptable animals with special needs in South Central Indiana and spotlight topics to promote human animal welfare. First, here is today's featured animal. Today, we are featuring Spider a cat currently residing at the City of Bloomington Animal Shelter. Spider is a shy guy with long black and white fur. He may greet strangers with a hiss and a hide, but as soon as he gets a pet, he melts like butter. 
His foster mom says that he sought out affection after only a day with her. Spider is FIV positive, meaning he has feline immunodeficiency virus. Spider could easily live happily with other FIV positive cats. If you're interested in adopting today's featured pet, you can learn more at our websites, goodjobbub.org and wfhb.org. You're listening to Lil Bub's Lil Show, a co-production of WFHB and Lil Bub's Big Fund. We now turn to this week's featured topic. What exactly is feline immunodeficiency virus? According to the Cornell Feline Health Center, FIV is one of the most common infectious diseases of cats. FIV attacks the immune system, leaving a cat vulnerable to many other secondary infections. There is no cure for FIV, but cats with FIV commonly live average lifespans. FIV is primarily transmitted through bite wounds from an infected cat. Casual, non-aggressive contact is not considered a major transmission risk. Rarely, an infected mother cat may transmit the infection to her kittens. Unneutered male cats with outdoor access, especially those who are likely to fight with other cats, are at the greatest risk for FIV infection. Although FIV is similar to HIV and causes a disease similar to AIDS in humans, it is a very species-specific virus that only infects felines. FIV is not linked to disease in humans. To diagnose FIV, blood samples are examined for the presence of these antibodies, which can be drawn in a veterinarian's office. There is currently no vaccine commercially available in North America to protect against FIV. The best way to reduce risk is to limit contact with cats who may be infected with the disease by keeping cats indoors and testing all cats within the household. For a healthy cat diagnosed with FIV, the management goals are to reduce their risk of acquiring secondary infections and prevent the spread of FIV to other cats. Spaying and neutering eliminate the risk of spreading FIV to kittens or through mating. Uncooked food, such as raw meat and eggs or unpasteurized dairy products, should be avoided to minimize the risk of foodborne infections. Wellness visits for FIV-positive cats should be scheduled at least every six months because most illness in FIV-positive cats result from secondary infections, it is very important that cats be promptly evaluated and treated when any signs of illness occur. Thank you for tuning in to Lil Bub's Lil Show on WFHB, produced in partnership with Lil Bub's Big Fund. For more info on today's featured animal and topic, Find us online at goodjobbub.org and wfhb.org.
Support for the WFHB Local News is brought to you by MPI Solar, a Bloomington business specialising in solar hot water, solar electricity and solar hot air systems. MPI Solar designs and installs solar power generation systems that encourage independence and individual responsibility. More information online at mpisolar.energy. More information online at mpisolarenergy.com. Our theme music is provided by Mark Bingham and the Social Climbers. Engineer and executive You've been producer listening to the Katie WFHB Young. local for WFHB, news. Today's headlines were written by Noel Herhusky. The WFHB in partnership local with news is also community as a podcast television service. Just search our, our feature was produced WFHB, by Michael Glab. Wherever you listen to your podcasts, subscribe to never miss another local news program. And I'm Lucy Kellison. Thanks for supporting Indiana's only volunteer-powered, listener-supported, independent daily news program. You can hear tonight's full broadcast online at WFHB.org. Stay tuned for A Heavy Weight, a reinvestigation into the disappearance of Joseph Smedley, coming up next on WFHB Community Radio. WFHB Local News on WFHB Community Radio. Our news is written and reported by volunteers working to provide local news, cover local issues, and strengthen our local community. We invite you to participate. You may submit questions, comments, and story ideas to news at WFHB.org. You can become a WFHB Local News Volunteer by attending new volunteer orientation. Feel free to check out the WFHB Local News Archive at WFHB.org to find newscasts, individual stories, and catch a live feed of the WFHB Local News. We are local, longer, 